The best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. They don't look like the All Blacks. They're not playing like the All Blacks. They're barely clinging on. They never really looked like they would win Test 2 or 3. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Let's turn to rugby. I'm delighted to say Matt Williams is with us. Matt, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Hey, Jay. Good morning, Matt. Very, very good. Thank you. The performance from New Zealand against South Africa is one of those performances that may mean nothing in the long run. But for Ian Foster and that coaching ticket, it's some vindication for everything that's happened, for the pressure that they were under, for the, the team to produce against maybe the best team in the world in a, in a very difficult environment was a testimony really to them as, as men and characters and all that kind of stuff. Like, will they ever get any credit for it? Do you think it was too little too late? Or is this a, a turning point? That's a great question, Jer. Um, let, let me just agree with you on all the things you surmised. Uh, winning at Ellis Park uh, is, is one of the hardest assignments in world rugby. It's at altitude. Uh, I think you can see that with with uh, the kicking, how far the ball travels, there's literally there's just less oxygen. That's just a fact. And it, it what it does, it makes it very hard on teams that aren't used to it. The South Africans are used to it, and obviously teams from Australia and New Zealand and Ireland, where you're at at sea level, it makes it unbelievably hard. I've been there four times and lost on all four occasions with with, uh, with the Waratahs and with emerging Wallabies. It's it's a really, really tough joint. Um, I, I actually text Andy Friend when Connacht won there this year and just said that's, gonna, that's one of Connacht's great wins because it is such a hard place. And the other part about New Zealand, they played magnificent rugby. Their first try, Sam Kane's try, the, the build-up to it is as good as anything you'll ever see. Will they get credit in New Zealand? Look, the New Zealand media and the general rugby public have been Vile, and I, I use that word. Uh, I choose to use that word. They've been unfair, and they've attacked the players and the staff personally. They've even, uh, you know, attacked the way they look, their physical appearance. I mean, it's been, it's just been horrific. It's nothing any um, sports person should have to endure because they haven't done anything wrong. They just lost games, right? So they haven't like acted in in a a, a manner that's brought. Uh, 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 disrespect to the to the jersey. They've gone out and tried the hardest. hasn't been good enough, right? So that's they've, they've lost five from six. But the way they've been uh, pilloried and and humiliated in the New Zealand media and social media is something that all of us in rugby need to call out and say that's that's just not acceptable. And and, and former former New Zealand players, former All Blacks are saying the same thing. I uh, in, and to get to your point, will it be enough? Uh, back the, the most one of the best papers I've ever read on uh, coming out of rugby was a review of the New Zealand defeat in the quarterfinal of the 2007 World Cup when France beat New Zealand in Cardiff and knocked them out. And everyone was calling for the sacking of uh, Graham Henry and Steve Hansen, who were the coaches then. The New Zealand Rugby Union did a thorough review. They didn't sack the coaches. They, they, the review was magnificently written, pointed out to failure in leadership in a lot of areas, including the New Zealand Rugby Union and the players. They kept the coaches and they won the next World Cup. There is a lot of pressure on the New Zealand Rugby Union to sack Ian Foster. Whether they will, traditionally, I would have said no, they won't. But there is a huge amount of pressure. I do very much feel for Ian Foster. I, I, I really sympathise for him. What he's enduring is 
not what any coach should have to endure. And irrespective maybe of what happens now, at least he has this moment where it's like, well, actually, you know what, that team, we didn't lose them. We didn't lose the dressing room. We absolutely were unified at the end. They were doing the things that we were trying to get them to do. So, because I, I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on, that the chief executive of the New Zealand Rugby Football Union had a press conference or a phone call where he was talking to the media and didn't say anything. Like, kind of made the situation worse. It all basically into the vacuum. Everybody is now speculating one way or another. So, um, I, it, it, like from a rugby perspective, do we see enough to say, actually, you know what? There's been a, a sequence of reasons why the performances haven't been as good as the one at the weekend, but there's also reasons to think that they might be getting things right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, Jim. I mean, that was a really, a really good game of rugby. Uh, New Zealand, after the first try, which was an absolute cracker of a try, and Sam Kane, their captain, scored it, you know, and that's, that was really symbolic as well because he's been getting horrible abuse and uh, online and from the media. You could see the New Zealanders almost just the shoulders drop and relaxed. They're playing without confidence, and that that they played. Then they, then they had to show character. They were behind, and they're playing the world champions at home. And the world champions South Africa played a, played a highly successful negative game. They're such they they're just playing within the the awful laws of our game at the moment and maximising the negativity. And New Zealand are playing positive. And I've got to give the Kiwis a lot of credit. They played really positive ball in hand running rugby. It was highly entertaining and they won. They've, they've overcome massive adversity and they've dug themselves out of a hole. And you, all the things you just said, you could see they were unified. So what are we saying here? New Zealand rugby is saying no one, once you pull on a black jersey, you're not allowed to lose any games. You're not allowed to have a bad run. And if you do, we'll sack you. I mean, it's just, you know, I know sport's all about performance and, and so on. But that, that is unre- there is an unreasonable um, position being taken by the media and, and the New Zealand rugby public. And the CEO and the NZRFU have, have really lacked leadership at the moment in supporting their team and their coach. Steve Hansen came out and criticised them massively uh, the other week, saying exactly that, that they, they are not supporting the team and not supporting their coach. And the CEO just did it again the other day. And I, I think that's really shameful. Of, of what they're doing, especially after such a gutsy, brilliant performance. Um, you know, I've been against the Kiwis my whole life, but, you, you know, you've got to be fair in this and just look and say, well, that, that really took some courage. It really took some kahunas. You stuck together. You played some great rugby and you beat uh, the, the world champions at their home in one of the most difficult venues in the world by playing really positive rugby. They, if, if you're going to criticise them, you've got to give them, give them credit as well. So I don't know where they stand in the New Zealand Rugby Union. Let, let me put it this way from the, out, from the outside. The way the national team of New Zealand have conducted themselves and their coach, Dean Foster, has done nothing but, um, uh, but acted with pride and dignity. The way the New Zealand Rugby public and the New Zealand media and the New Zealand Rugby Football Union have acted, I can't say the same. The New Zealand Rugby Union have not backed their team the way they should, especially after such a great win. Maybe some of their decisions to, to speak publicly over the past couple of weeks has 
been a reaction to the public perception of, of Ian Foster as in they're almost pandering to the media and to the public that, you know, we need to, to get on board with this idea that Ian Foster is going to be out of the door soon. And they've just been caught unawares by a performance that was good on Saturday. And now they're ultimately caught between a rock and a hard place. Do we sack this guy or, or, or do we not? And, and it seems that they've just, uh, I guess, created a, a really terrible situation for themselves where they end up looking really, really poor. Yeah, on a real lack of leadership, isn't it? I mean, the, your, your, your CEO and your board uh, are leaders of the organisation and they have to show leadership. And right now they're not, and it's exactly what you're saying. They're, you know, they're, they're being caught in the, uh, the firestorm that is the media, the rugby media in New Zealand instead of standing up to them like the leadership did in 2007. You know, they wanted to sack Richie McCaw in 2007. They wanted to sack Graham Henry and Steve Hansen. Both of those coaches who were with the team at that time then went on to win World Cups. Uh, Graham Henry won the one at home, and, of course, Steve Steve Hansen won the next one in the UK. So uh, that leadership we saw from New Zealanders, and I said it's the most impressive document I've ever read in rugby. I still have a copy of it back in Australia that leadership that the NZ uh, RFU showed then, they're certainly not showing now. Uh, and here's the other thing, their team is. So there is a vacuum of leadership and their team is stepping up and their coaches stepped up and they've done, they've done very, very well. Yeah, they did poorly in the past. They've acknowledged that. They haven't, they haven't dodged it. They haven't tried to make excuses. And I think there were some, uh, certainly in November last year, there were some reasonable excuses for why they weren't performing, which is they've been living in hotels in a COVID bubble for almost four months in Australia and then in Europe. And anyone who's ever toured will tell you by the end of that period of time, you are absolutely mentally fried. And they didn't perform to their best. They didn't have any excuses at home, except they were beaten by a better team. Ireland were a better team. New Zealand were a better team in Auckland and Ireland were a better team. Why not just admit that? Why not just say, gee, Ireland played well. We're not happy. Let's move forward. And look where they, they, they performed uh, last week. So there's a, there's a huge, huge problem in New Zealand rugby, not necessarily with their team, but certainly with other aspects of their leadership. And it's going to be very interesting to see what the long-term ramifications of the best South African club sides playing in Europe now and those players not playing week in, week out between now and the World Cup against South Africans. It might be very difficult for New Zealand into the future, but if this win is a harbinger of things to come, like they could still win this championship, for example. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Well, they, they, so there's, there's a trophy between South Africa and New Zealand, and um, they won, New Zealand won that. So in the two test series away from home, New Zealand come home with a trophy. They won the championship last year. They're looking at Australia, who are uh, decimated by injury at the moment, and and you know a sort of a similar story played really well in Mendoza uh, ten days ago, and were very poor uh, on last weekend last weekend against the Pumas. The Pumas had a record win, so they're looking at Australia. And Australia haven't beaten New Zealand in a Bledisloe Cup, uh, I think since two thousand and three. I think it was the last time Australia won it. So you know the chances of Australia winning that are very very slim. So they could win their series against. South Africa, they'll certainly beat Australia, uh, in my opinion, uh, and you would expect them to beat Argentina, which means they'll win the championship. So, again, this is panic and, you know, really poor 
let me come back to the media. The media is when you get when you're a coach, you get criticised. You expect getting to get criticised, and if you lose, you're going to get criticism. If you can't handle that, don't go into coaching. And Ian Foster knows that he's been around a long time. But the viciousness and the vileness of what's been said about these players and coaching staff is just wrong. You know, their mental health, these are human beings. They're, they're parents, they're, they're children, they're, they're, they're brothers and sisters, they're wives. They have to listen to this. And it's really, look, it's horrible for people's mental health. We talk about the mental health and how important it is, yet we allow this to occur. And Artie Sevilla came out to his great credit and said just that uh, last week. So this is just not right. They haven't stolen money. They're not selling secrets to the Russians. They're just playing a game of rugby, and they've lost a few in the last the last six. They've lost some games, and that that is the, that. What the great thing that team can take out of it? They've drawn a line of sand. They've closed the door and said, you know, I'll, I'll clean it up. But you know what they're saying is, so we'll forget them. It's all about us, and you know, more power to them. More power to them. They came out and stuck it right back to them, and uh, you've got to you've got to admire that. It's very interesting to see what happens and, and we'll, we'll know more during the week. There is supposed to be an, an update from the, the New Zealand board. You know, I suspect Foster's going to survive now, but you don't know. It, it kind of sounded like maybe he was going to have enough and walk out head held high anyway. It, it's very difficult to know. It, it is, true. As I said, historically, I would have said he's definitely not going anywhere a year before a World Cup. Historically, I would have said that, especially after they changed their assistant coaches after the Ireland uh, tour when they lost two uh, one, uh, and as I've spoken about, the, the, the historically how they've treated crisis in the New Zealand rugby union, but there is a definite lack of leadership and direction coming from the CEO, and so therefore that puts doubt in my mind about Ian Foster, uh, and I would there is huge pressure that um, Scotty Robinson from the Crusaders will step in. He is the heir apparent, whether it's now or after the next World Cup. I don't know. I truly don't know now. Uh, before, I would have said there was no way. Now, I'm not so sure. Michael Checker was in two minds after his Puma team crushed Australia at the weekend. He said he was he was crying at one stage. Um, there was joy and then there was tears afterwards and he was a bit confused, but he came out afterwards and said, this is my crew now. I was up on the last try cheering then I started crying because I know I probably... Uh, I probably shouldn't be doing this. It was a bit confusing for me personally, but they're my boys now. That's my team, which, you know, it was always going to be difficult for him the, the first time. But it's an incredible result. I didn't realise that Australia were missing so many players, so maybe not entirely unexpected that they would lose. But if uh, Argentina are going to start running in seven tries in games, then they're going to be good to watch. They play great rugby. Um, you know, obviously huge influence from Ireland. There were Michael's days at Leinster and taking... Felipe Conopani with him there, um, Felipe running the attack, and they played some great rugby. Uh, and, and that's great for Argentina. It's great for the championship. Uh, the Wallabies are decimated. You know, no, I've got it written down here, no Michael Hooper, no Quake Cooper, uh, Fienga, their number one hooker, and Dave Parecki, their number two, or vice versa. Dave has started recently. They're out, so they're down to hooker three and four. Hunter Pasami and Alan Alatoa, the loose head prop. So they're there's seven players down, and there's probably one or two others you could throw in there. That is no excuse for the defensive effort that they put in. They missed so many tackles and were really quite poor um, right across the park. And, you know, 48-17, seven tries, the biggest loss of all time to the Argentinians. And that means for the last eight games for the Wallabies, they've only won two. 
So uh, it, it's it's tough times for the guys in the gold jersey, for sure. Um, but you know, Michael's a great coach. I texted him a couple of times a few few uh, months ago, and he, he's really committed to that. He's developed a very good coaching staff, and Michael's um, history um, is the same as mine. He's brought up in the running game. That's the way he was brought up at the Ramwick Club, then the Waratahs. And the way he plays and coaches his ball in hand, and he knows Felipe that has the same philosophy. He brings in people on that, on the on the same thinking, and they produced a great win. And that's great for world rugby and very good for the championship. Argentina at home are going to be tough for everyone. There's, there's no two ways about that. It's box office for sure. Great to have you with us, Matt. Thanks a million. Pleasure, guys. Great to talk. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.